Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel and Garrett Jacobs Meyer. How are we doing? What up? Episode Woo! 101. 101. Uh, spring training is upon us in full swing, and the vibes are outstanding. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the, the energy this Red Sox team is bringing to the table right now. Um, I watched uh, the spring training game yesterday. They're about to play again tonight in about 10 minutes, so we'll be recording during that. Um, but yeah, no, like it, it's a it's a good energy coming out of Red Sox camp right now, which you love to see. Yeah, vibes are good. Seeing it all over Twitter, um, hearing a lot of encouraging things. Obviously, it's spring training, so people are gonna, you know, exaggerate stuff. But I'm I'm liking where where the team's heading. You're fine. We're finally starting to see it take shape. I'm excited to see what they can do, and especially with the World Baseball Classic coming up, I'm excited to see. Um, some some of the younger guys get more run. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, with the WBC coming up, it's just a fun time to be a baseball fan. Now the baseball is, it's back and it's back in a big way with that. Um, from the Red Sox stance, like I think it's cool. Um, when I was watching the game yesterday, it kind of popped in my head like, I forgot that James Paxton was a real person, and they like showed him yeah, in the right. dugout, <laughs> and I forgot for a second that Corey Kluber was on the Red Sox and he's pitching tonight. So you're starting to kind of get to see some of these smaller transactions that, that may have gone under the radar in the offseason pop up on your screen and, and kind of become a part of the Red Sox. Um, and, I mean, you're, you're really starting to see this team's identity. Like, obviously, in the offseason, you lose Xander Bogarts and Nathan Navaldi and Janie Martinez, like these, these cornerstone players of your team. Those were the players that made up the Red Sox identity. And, obviously, you have Raphael Devers still now. Um, but a lot of that identity kind of hasn't carried over. So now the Red Sox are having to establish a new identity. And I think it's working out pretty well. You have Kike Hernandez becoming a team leader. You have Alex Verdugo kind of wanting to be a guy, a name on this team. And he's, he's starting to act like it. I mean, I think a good example is uh, the other day. So Alex Verdugo and Jaron Duran are representing Team Mexico in the WBC. And they brought a whole mariachi band into into spring training, into camp, into the clubhouse. And that's just that's a great vibe starter right there. Like nothing like a mariachi band to get the boys fired up. So what's the what was the deal with that? Was it like a like an intimidation piece? Like is anyone on the uh Red Sox um, playing team USA or something like that? No, they so I Duran and Verdugo are both representing Mexico in the WBC. And I think they gave like a presentation on they Mexico. did. Yeah, they had like a little like um like one of those like boards, like cardboard boards that you get like for a presentation, like middle school. They have one of those with like little picture <laughs> yeah, like, cutouts and everything. Social studies talking about Mexico. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um and that just kind of shows I think that it's it's a lighthearted energy in the Red Sox Clubhouse. Like you don't they know who they are and they know the league is kind of doubting them. And I've always said there's no better spot for the Red Sox than the underdog. The Red Sox love being the team that everybody overlooks, the team that everyone counts out. Look at 2013. Look at what they do every single year that they're good. It's normally when no one thinks they're going to be good. And that gets me fired up right there. The fact that everyone's kind of doubting us. Everyone's like, oh, they're not going to win more than 70 games. They're going to be a last place team. That could be totally right. But if it's wrong, it'd be really fun. And I think <laughs> it's, it's always more fun when the expectations are low. Because then you can only go up. For sure. Yeah, that's yeah. like when you start a new class, you immediately bomb the first exam, so then you get everyone's expectations low, then you can only go up. 
I, I'm growing more optimistic. Oh, like as I yeah. see this team sort of play out, sort of see who's become vocal. Um, especially players really like Kike. Um, mm-hmm. it seems like people really compliment him for everything, play style, and um, you know, sort of interacting with everyone in his sort of expanded role as a leader without all these uh these guys we shipped off um and lost. But it's just uh, it's been really exciting. I'm, I'm much more optimistic than I was three months ago, or much more even optimistic than last week. Like it feels really good about spring training start. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that really gets me kind of optimistic is the potential. Like, there's a lot of different guys who have so much potential to to break out. And like one guy, Masataka Yoshida. Like he's this this guy that none of us know anything about. Like you see his his film and his stats in Japan, but you're like, who really is this guy? You're starting yeah. to get to see him now in a Red Sox uniform at the plate for us and see what he can do. And in the very, very, very small like sneak peek that we've gotten, I've liked what I've seen. Like he looks very comfortable at the plate, and he's got a lot more power, I think, than than uh, people were expecting. He'll just like flick the wrists and wrists, and it's out to uh, the warning track. Um, mm-hmm. Joey said it in the group chat. He's a a lot smaller than I thought he would be. Like he's a very he's small, a compact guy. Swing too. He yeah, looks a little funky. He's, he's got some unreal calves. I don't know if you guys have seen his calves. They are. Yeah. Dude's a fire hydrant. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you love to see that. Um, I mentioned him before, Alex Verdugo. I think he's only 26. He's still got a lot of potential left. He was hurt. His brother was talking on Twitter a few weeks back about how um, he played hurt for a lot of last season. And having him back healthy, like I, the sky's the limit for him. Like he, Cora was talking about how he needs to be better. Like he kind of called him out. Everyone kind of called him out. And Alex Verdugo took that personally. He's like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I want to take it to the next level and be the elite player that so many people have counted on me to be. It's time for him to be that. Like TC said it in her interview last episode, how it, the time is now like it's make or break. Like he's got to do it this year. And I think he definitely knows that. And he, he's kind of, he's determined to make that happen, which excites me. Absolutely. And, um, I'll go. I'll get very cliche, uh, saying he's in the best shape of his life. But uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he's come into spring training. It is noticeable. He does look a little more leaner. He's kind of abandoned. He's kind of done what Ben Benintendi has done. He's he's dropped that muscle in his arms. You know, slimmed down a little more. Focus on athleticism and contact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's better for his play style because when we traded for him, we were told. This guy has a potential to hit 300 every year, uh, you know, 30 doubles, 15 home runs. And I think last year we saw him really try sell out for power. Yeah. And he got, he got unlucky, which deflated his stats. But uh, coming into this year, there, there are definitely much higher expectations for him. He set a high bar for himself. Alex Cora called him out at the end of the season. You know, they're going to try to get everything out of him because we are getting to the point where the Red Sox have to make the decision whether to whether to lock him up long-term or look to dealing him because uh, he's been very vocal about the extension, wanting to stay here, but ultimately it comes down to the play on the field. If he's going to produce like he has the past year or so, it's not a worthwhile investment for the Red Sox. Right. No, absolutely. Um, Another guy that's also kind of getting to be at that same crossroads of extension talks, they've been connected, Tanner Houck. I don't think he's pitched yet this spring, but he's another guy that we kind of got to watch because he also doesn't really have a, a set role right now. Like 
he wants to be a starter. Like he's kind of talked about how he sees himself as a starter. The Red Sox, I think, see him more as a reliever. Uh, we saw last year how he can be effective in the bullpen. So I don't. He's kind of an enigma to me. I don't know what you're going to get from him. He has crazy good stuff when he's on. And again, he's only he's only 26 too. Um, so he's another guy to kind of watch to see what happens with him. But we already kind of have. I was looking at this the other day. A pretty full rotation is starting to be. Um, I mean, if everyone's healthy, obviously. Um, Chris Sale seems to be on track. So you got Chris Sale leading it. Uh, Corey Kluber, James Paxton, Garrett Whitlock, and Brian Bayo. That's five right there. That doesn't include Nick Pavetta, Cutter Crawford, Tanner Houck. You got options, which is is nice to see. Um, especially considering some of the names in the in the rotation that <laughs> are big question marks. Like, is Chris Sale gonna make it more than a few weeks? Is James Paxton gonna actually throw a pitch in the last one inning? To- survive and not have arm decay yeah yeah like those are real questions that it like it's gonna it's gonna be helpful to have guys like nick pavetta and cutter Cutter crawford and tanner hauk and those different options um even josh winkowski you got some different options which is helpful when you are talking about those different guys but if everything goes as planned i don't hate where our rotation's at it's not it's not going to blow me away, but like you have some, you have some guys out there who can contribute. I'm excited. I know, I know Garrett like thinks Chris Sale like is just going to get hurt every second, but I'm excited for Chris Sale. <laughs> I'm excited too. I love the guy. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I don't know, man. It's just tough to be so excited and be let down. Anyway, yeah, helpful, think- helpful to have guys like Hope that can that can move around, that can be in, be anywhere that he needs to be. Yeah. Phil. I saw a quote. I want to say, I want to say it was Sam Kennedy who said something about Chris Sale needing to be at the elite level um, that he used to be at, and Chris Sale had a like response to that where he was like, "Oh man, that fired me up. Like that got me going. Like I need to be that guy." Yeah, Chris Sale's quotes have been have been good. He's been definitely saying what he needs to say. I guess he's been because he's a competitor. At the end of the day, he just wants to go out there and, and rip throats out and compete. It's nice to see him not pretend. It's nice to see him like, like, I think he admitted that he didn't live up to his contract. I mean, that was a while ago, but he said, yeah. like, like he, you know, I was going to surprise you. He said what, you know, you just quoted him on because I've read stuff where he was like, yeah, I, I, I haven't really lived up to anything. Like, I haven't even really pitched a whole lot. So it's like, right. yeah, he does have a lot to prove. Um, it's cool. Like, he's a, he's a good personality. He knows it. It's cool what he says to the media because we all know it. Um, just hopeful. And I mean, after Nathan Valdi leaves, um, this team doesn't really have an ace, but Chris yeah. Sale is the guy who should be the ace. Like he is an ace name. Um, well, what's yeah. funny though is you, you look at this rotation. Like Chris Sale was an ace the majority of his career. Corey Kluber was an ace the most of, most of his career. James Paxton was an ace for a little bit too. Like you have three guys who were top pitchers in the league and aces, and and so that's that's interesting to me and that's intriguing because. You never know when they can just kind of get back to that level. Like they've hit that level before; they're capable of that. That's a fact. And so it'll be interesting to see how close to that level they can reach this year. Helps the young guys too. Um, having yeah. someone like a, a group like that that can really, really help out. Um, and pitching is such like a finicky thing. Everything is so. Um, everything can change so fast with one little tip. Or uh, some teams, one special recipe for whatever sticky stuff was going on, whatever that uh, when that was happening. But it, it's uh, yeah. it really is influential for these pitchers. Like one little tip, one little arm angle adjustment can really help. And these old guys help with that. Mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. I got a question for you guys though. So the my biggest thing with the rotation, I've I've always felt like this is a good rotation, but it's one piece away. So I think if you threw in not necessarily an ace, but like a top end guy, like maybe Pablo Lopez, obviously they were interested in him over the offseason, or one of the Marlins guys like Edward Cabrera, I think that would take this rotation to the next level and it would be one of the you know, it would be a high end rotation in this game with a lot of depth. And they could even do the six man rotation, which is becoming uh, something in baseball and something that I think this rotation needs with all the injury concerns. I'm going to talk crazy for a second. This could be just totally too optimistic, <laughs> but I like where our rotation's at. And I don't think I'd want to add someone like that because I think you're right. In the sense that adding like um, a stud pitcher like that can really bring us to the next level. But I almost think that player could be added from within. I think if Brian Bayo breaks out, you get that guy. If uh, Garrett Whitlock can work in the rotation, you get that guy. So I think we have the potential for that kind of within to happen. Um, even in the sense that if James Paxton can actually pitch a full season, that's that guy too. Like James Paxton could be in the Pablo Lopez trade market if he was on another team, if he was healthy, whatever. Like I think that guy can come from within. I think that's fair, but like you just said, it always said, helps to it, add. It always helps to add, though, for sure. It does. Um, and I think if they were more competitive, they would probably have pursued those guys a little more heavy. But the the biggest thing with the rotation, and I've said it before, there are just so many ifs. If Paxton stays healthy, if yeah. Chris Sale can return to form, if Bayo takes another step, if Whitlock is a starter, um, there are just so many question marks coming into the yeah. season, which I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a good thing either. It just means it's going to be entertaining. It's it, the, Coming into this season throughout camp, it'll be interesting to see which guys set themselves apart. And I think someone that we haven't even talked about yet, Carter Crockett, he looked good yesterday. For sure. That means much, but I've always been a fan of his stuff. And I think if he can take another step, he could be a very quality four or five. Yeah. Who's been no, absolutely. Right now. With, um, with adding someone like that, especially on the sort of higher end, you do have to put in the context of like what the season means, um, sort of how they uh, – it's sort of a mystery to me on how these Red Sox want to – play this year um just because i feel like they have so much talent but so little like actual guarantee of being anything more than one of these bottom of the division teams um and if you're gonna if you're gonna really buy in an ad it shows that they think they're like a sort of compete now team and i'm not really sure if they do that's a great point that is a really good point um like you're not going to go out and add some big name guy if you are projected to be a last place team and you don't think that like when you're in the spot that the Red Sox are in right now where you're kind of counting on some of your young your young guys like you don't really have a whole lot of like you didn't go out and get Justin Verlander. You lost Andrew Bogarts. Like you weren't like one of the top teams in the market for those kind of guys cuz you finished in last place last year and you're projected to be in the bottom of the division this year. So you're in a spot where it makes more sense for you to kind of uh, gamble a little bit and be like, let's hope that Brian Bayo and, and Garrett Whitlock break out. If they don't, yeah, it's time. fine. It's fine. But if they do, it brings us to the next level. So that's why I'm more on that kind of train and, and think that's kind of the mindset that the Red Sox have too. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Like it, it really, 
um, is connected to the projections and the expectations they have for their guys. Team could be pretty good. I'm getting more optimistic. I'm I'm getting I think too optimistic. Like I think they could be really good. <laughs> it's just tough. It's a long season, and I think a lot. So much of it banks on health, especially with this. If we lose Chris Sale again, like we have yeah. for the past whatever years, like yeah, he didn't play at all COVID season. So three years, two years. I mean, anyway, he's come right. he's come back from injury and then got hurt again. Like we get all excited. Oh, Chris Sale's finally back. But the last I've, time I've, he yeah. really pitched consistently was 2019. Yeah, I, I've spoken about it, it wasn't too much good to then. really go into it, but it's just um, it, it's a lot of a lot of preying on stuff like that. They could be good, but it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, also <laughs> the ifs. Joey was talking about all the different ifs we have in this rotation. It doesn't just stay in the rotation. The ifs are across the whole entire team. If Masataka Yoshida yeah. can adjust to the MLB, if Alex Verdugo can be the guy that he he says he's going to be, if uh, Tristan Casas can really perform at the big league level consistently. If Trevor Story ever comes back, if Reese McGuire and Connor Wong are an okay catching duo at the big league level, like there's just so many ifs yeah. across the whole entire team, mm. and so many things need to go right. It's it's uh when you put it like that, it's a little spooky. It is yeah. spooky, but that's again, that's why it's good why the expectations are low because then it's okay, <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> Here's the way I look at it: last year, absolutely nothing went our way. We led the majors in true. Uh, cumulative days spent on the injured list like everything nothing went our way last year and that's why i feel better about this year uh you know in sports things tend to balance out so 2021 we got extremely lucky 2022 extremely unlucky why why can't this be a year that where things look up and we we build something for the future like that's the way i look into it we're gonna have a lot more entertaining Red Sox games, it's going to be a team. Last year's team, they played with no pulse. And they talked about it early in spring training. Guys kind of gave up, and I buy that. We could tell that by the end of the year. Uh, Well, it better not happen again. This is a lot of the same guys. That's why they turned over the clubhouse. That's why they turned over the clubhouse. They brought in a complete new set of guys uh, to kind of rejuvenate that desire to win. And I think Kike has done an unbelievable job. He has stepped up and said, I am the leader of this team. And yeah. I don't think there's anyone better to, to lead a team. Uh, you know, he keeps things loose, but serious at the same time. You have guys like JT, Justin Turner, who's been there and done that. Kenley. Plus, those those three have a connection. They all play together. They're all teammates. They're all friends. So, Kike, who took the reins as a leader, can be like, all right, Justin Turner, this is my friend, but he's also a 37-year-old MLB veteran who knows what he's doing and knows what he's talking about, and I can bring him in right by my side to help lead this team. Another thing is um, kind of related with uh, a minor league deal we did, Rymel Tapia. Looking into it, I think they did this to fire up Duran because who was the guy who hit the inside the park grand slam that uh, kind of ruined Jaron Duran's career to this point. It's him. The way I see it, you think they brought him <laughs> so into camp to light a bro. fire? Yo. <laughs> I don't know. Yo, Jaron, you know that guy whose pop-up you dropped and let him score inside Park the Homer? You have to look at him every single day and know that he could take your job at any point. <laughs> exactly. It's a possibility. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jaron Duran, let's talk about him. He's another guy where he's kind of at this make or break point where he needs to either perform or it's probably just not going to happen with us. 
And I think that I'm huge. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm huge on the Dur- Duran hype train right now. I'm back on it. I was on it before. I was off for a little bit. Now I'm back on it. I love what he brings to the table. And I think this year he's coming in with a whole new mindset. He looks totally different at the plate. Changed his stance. Changed his approach. Changed his energy as a whole. And he's still the fastest man alive. He's got crazy speed. And his hit tool can be elite too. He... I mean, has shown how he can hit a ball in the gap that most guys would get a single and he'd be on second base with a stand-up double. And he can he can get triples. He can get inside the park homers and he can hit the ball out too. He hit a homer the other day. So he is a very intriguing player for me that I'm huge on going into this year. Like he he knows that he needs to bring it this year or it's just not going to happen. Um, similar to Verdugo. So that excites me. Um, and again, he's relatively young, super talented. So I like what he brings to the table too. Um, it just kind of shows again that that's another spot we have depth. If Adam Duvall kind of doesn't work out, or if he gets hurt, Jaron Duran's right there. If Masataki Yoshida can't field, and we need to move him to DH, we have another outfielder. Not saying Duran's much better in the field. Hopefully he improves on that, but it's another guy who can contribute. Um, and it, it'll be good to see kind of what we got from Duran because we pegged him as a top prospect, the future of our outfield. So we got to see if he's going to be that guy or not. Because if he's not going to be that guy, we we got to kind of move on from that. Um, uh, not to just keep rambling here, but another guy in the same boat as that kind of is Bobby Dahlbeck. I think he, the ship has assailed a little bit more on him because um, you have Tristan Casas. He's your first baseman. You have Justin Turner. He's kind of your backup first baseman. Um, they're working Ryan Fitzgerald in at first base. Like, I don't think that Bobby Dahlbeck has a spot on this team. Um, I mean, he's going off in spring training as he always does. He's the king of spring training right behind Sam Travis, but, (laughs) um, I don't know. He saw some like, or he read some book by some Japanese home run artist or something. I don't, I didn't really fully follow what that was about. And apparently (laughs) he has this whole new approach and he's going to be really good, but I don't know. Cause he read a book or a pass. He didn't read a book. The quote in the tweet was he read a passage from a book. So he wrote like a sentence or two and was like, I got it. <laughs> That's real deep, bro. Uh, maybe he needs like a darkness retreat. I don't know. Um, I I think they should move on from him. Um, well, I want him to have a good spring so that he, he's playing for trade value right now. Yeah. That's the case. I they better send him away, I, man. I, they better not just there's virtually no chance he opens the year on the big league team and no I don't shot. Think, yeah he's not he's not gonna make the opening day roster I think the only way he makes the opening day roster is if Tristan Casas gets hit by a bus and Justin Turner breaks his leg like it's just not gonna happen yeah and then he's not gonna open the season in AAA either at least not here um, really you think that I know it I yeah I do because he ended the season in AAA last year um you know, I, ju- I just don't see a way that they're going to keep him down there when, you know, ultimately you're paying this guy more than the average AAA player. Mm-hmm. You got to find – I think you got to do him a favor too, just personally. You know that he's not going to have a spot on this team unless, you know, the impossible happens. You just got to – there's someone out there that will see his performances in spring training – like his swing looks good. It looks shorter to the ball, which is good. It's a good sign. But you know, his future isn't in Boston, and I think now is where they move on. 
if I was a small market team or like some rebuilding team, I'd take a chance on him for sure. Like he's this Absolutely. dude who was a top prospect and, and has had some success in the big leagues too. But don't forget about that. I'd take a chance on him for sure if I was some other team where he fits better. Um, he reminds me, I always kind of connect him to Michael Chavis because they kind of came yeah. up at the same time. They were similar players, same position. Um, Dahlbeck always was the one who had a little bit more potential, but Chavis came up. Everyone's so excited. He was good for a little bit, and then he just fizzled out. He could not hit a, a, a fastball high, and then we started trying him at second base, and he was just playing all over the place. He didn't have a spot, and so we traded him. And in Pittsburgh, he's nothing special, really. Like He's great dude, don't get me wrong, but he's not really um, an everyday player. And Dahlbeck's kind of shaping up to be similar to that. I don't think so because – the the biggest thing with Bobby is he needs a place to go that will play him every day and let him go through the tough times because that what Boston was never a place where he could do Dude, that. we let he him go through. Year. He was like three for 79. Yeah, I'm going to be real. We, put, we stuck him out there a lot. Man. <laughs> he was there a lot. I, know, I guess like, like the verbal confirmation or like the vibes. Well. I don't know. Maybe the vibes were on his side. Maybe he was out there, but he wasn't like actually supported by anyone who had faith in him. But I think that's a possibility, um, given that I think last year's clubhouse was a lot more detached than we thought it was originally. But for sure, it goes yeah. back to 2021 when where they Bobby goes off for a month and they bring in Schwarber. Schwarber goes over, takes True. takes his job, and um, yeah, we were trotting Bobby out there last year when he was, I when he was, uh, you know, sucking, but. It's not like he needs a place to go where he's going to be the everyday first baseman, uh, like a place like Cincinnati. It's a good hitters yep. ballpark. It's low stakes. It's a small market. The fans aren't going to get on you. And like, that's a place where he can play every day. And ultimately yeah. that's what he needs. He needs, I think the security of knowing that he will be in the lineup. No, exactly. You could tell last year that he was in his head too. That yep. was his biggest. He is a very talented baseball player. Like the skills are there, the swing is there, um, the fielding is there. It's just it was clear that he was in his head and he kind of got into this funk that he just couldn't get out of. Um, it was clear and, to tell after all yeah. of his at bats. There was just the his body language too. It could you could tell that it was wearing on him, and um, I think it was a lot of uncertainty. He probably or his mind was probably racing like. Yeah. Am I going to be here? Am I going to be in Worcester? And even like right now on this current team, in his head, he's like, I don't have a spot in this team. I need to be good. I need to be good. I need to be good. And that's going to get to you. And I really do think that you're right. He needs he needs a fresh start, a new opportunity where the pressure's taken off and he can just settle in and play some baseball and be who he is um, and kind of remake a name for himself in the league. And as, as a, I am, for the record, I, I really am a fan of Bobby Dahlbeck, like as a guy. Um, yeah. and even as a player, but just right now, like, it's just not it for this team. And so I really hope that he does go to another team and does amazing. Like, I really do that hope that he succeeds with another team. Me too. I I'm still high on him. Like Bobby's a guy that can hit you 30 home runs a year. Yeah. If you, if you play him every day, he's got such a pure, like right-handed swing too. Like it's so smooth. Um, and yeah. you always talk about, like we talked about with Andrew Benatendi, when you have a swing that smooth and, and the mechanics that natural, you're going to succeed at, in some, at some point somewhere. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I hope that happens for him. 
Um, any other guys that were kind of focused on this spring training? Um, oh, one, um, Emmanuel Va- Valdez, the prospect we got from the Christian Vasquez trade. That dude really excites me. Um, that really makes that trade worthwhile for me because he looks like he can really contribute at the big league level and, and be a stud too. I don't, I don't want to put that pressure on him and put that tag on him right now. Cause he is only 24 and hasn't <laughs> been in the big leagues yet, but he's got um, a sweet left hand and swing, lots of pop, lots of power. He is a little dude, but with a lot of, a lot of thump in the bat. And <laughs> I'm excited what he can bring to the table this year um, because he does play second base and that's probably our most open position. Like obviously we have, uh, Arroyo and Story and, and Modesty and like guys to fill it, but at least he's not like playing third base where Devers is. Like you got a spot there. You, you're not playing first base where Casas is. Like you got a chance to kind of break into the league. Um, and I mean, he he got a, a really cool looking double off Northeastern the other day where he drove in two. I think he's got a he's got a Juan Soto type swing. Not not comparing yeah. Juan Soto at all, but he's got that low crouch. With yeah. his uh, right heel turned out, it's it's a good looking swing. I like it. The biggest yeah. thing with him is the defense. He's not he doesn't provide much defense out at second base, and especially this year, uh, defense at second base is becoming a lot more important again. Mm-hmm. Um, but a guy that I'm looking at a lot this spring is obviously Sedan Rafaela. We've heard we've heard like great things about him. You know, like the Mookie comparisons, which I think are also unfair. But this is a guy who's a freak athlete. He's going to be able to, um, he's going to be able to play elite major league defense. They've said he's a Gold Glove caliber center fielder already. The biggest thing with him is plate discipline, and other than that, he's got all the other tools. Uh, that could be someone that we see this year. I don't think he's a trade chip anymore because I feel like this would this offseason would have been the offseason to do it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see him up in center field at some point this year. I also feel like I feel like the ship has sailed for a trade. Like I don't see any trades that make sense right now. Definitely. Like what we talked about earlier, it's just it's it's kind of out the window. Um, another thing with all these young guys though that I want to kind of emphasize is there's no need to rush them too. Like we're not kind of in a spot where we need them to come up and contribute. It's more of like if they're doing really well in AAA, we got a spot. Give them a shot. Get their feet wet in the majors and see what they can do. And that's the best spot to be in with prospects. Because when you bring guys up and you force them to be ready when they're not ready, we've seen it as as Red Sox fans, we've seen it countless times, um, and, and that's not what I want to happen with these guys. The biggest one in my mind, I'll bring up before Blake Swihart. That dude, yeah. I still think could have been a stud, but probably blew it. And JBJ, and we rushed yeah. him too. We even rushed Ben Attendee. Like that one worked out fine, but we did rush him. Yeah, JBJ had all the time in the world to learn how to hit a baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, ben Attendee's a great, a good point. Yeah, I missed that dude. I saw him play for the White Sox the other day. Um, yeah, do we want to do questions now? Sure, 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 sure. I was just thinking that <laughs> there is that. Um, as I bring up the questions, that uh, Aki way, like a thousand different memes came out of that. Like that dude. Oh, you sent them to me. Okay, cool. Got him. Yeah. Sure, sure. All right, sure. ready to get do it. Cool. Um, first question from the big red thirty-four. Prediction for home runs, um, for Yoshida, Casas, and Devers. Hmm. 
Devers? Doing some math. I'm doing some math. Hold on. I don't know much about Yoshida's power. Do you guys Hot take. The three down? of them combined for 100 homers. What? How? Devers hits 40. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, Costas? Costas hits thirty. 30 Yoshida hits thirty. Wait, I think I did some math wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah, might be a little bit sus, bro. Man, I thought I had some. I had, thought I had some. All eight, right, eighty. Um, okay, I, combined for eight. I feel, I feel eight, like sure, sure, eighty. I don't know. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Let me try again. Good. Let me try again. Um, hot take: the three of them combined for eighty homers. Devers hits forty. <laughs> No, Devers hits Devers hits thirty six, Casas hits thirty two. That's what. That's sixty eight. And then and damn. then uh, uh, what's his face hits uh, what twelve? Forty two. Twelve. No, honestly, I think Yoshida's gonna. I think he's gonna surprise us with some some homers. I think he hits like seventeen to nineteen. Yeah, I was thinking that's, that's right around where the projections have him. I yeah. I, I think I like it. I think we don't know. We don't know with that guy. I feel like I don't know. I mean, I know. Um, it's hard to predict. It really is. For for Yoshida, I would say, I would say fifteen to eighteen, somewhere in that range. I think he's gonna have a lot of doubles. Yes, I I Hmm. see him with forty doubles. Yeah, close to it. Sexy. Um, And then with Devers, I like the thirty six. I'm probably somewhere similar to that 30 to 35 range. And then with Casas, I don't really know. Because... I think he gets over 30. I really do. The power that he's shown in the minors, and he's already shown a little bit in the majors, I think he just has insane power. Like, he's going to run into homers like crazy. I know, but he he's a, he's a bit of a different player than, like, you know, like Pete Alonzo. I know that's not a great comparison, but, like, a power-hitting first baseman, Casas is more of, like a complete guy, he's never hit more than twenty home runs in a season in the minors. Which I guess that's lot. true. He just hits them far. <laughs> he he hits the ball hard. He's a guy yeah. who's going to have a load of doubles as well. He's going to pepper the monster going the other way for sure. Pepper um, the monster. <laughs> yeah. When I, you look at our lineup, though, Casas, Devers is number one for power. But honestly, Casas is like number two for power, though. That's why I think he's just going to be up there in homers. Yeah, I mean du- Duvall's got power be. too, but like I don't think he's gonna get thirty. No shot. I mean, he's done it before. I don't think he's gonna play as much as he played before, though. That's true. I th- yeah. That's a good point. Like, Casas, my gut instinct is like twenty. Nah, twenty-three. Dude, I'll take the bet on that over any day. I think he's at least the twenty-eight to thirty-two range is right where I have him at. That seems high to me. Too. Yeah, it's, I don't if, know. It just, he has to stay healthy though, which is which is a question mark with him. He isn't really doing well, that great. You know, now that he can't take clubhouse naps and sunbathe, that I, I better know. not affect him because if that report affects him and he just starts losing it, I'm gonna lose my mind. Dude, Let's I don't think any of it's, anyone, I, I really think didn't like the timing of that report. I think it's, it's really not, cheap yeah. to put that out. There right is no reason to put it out at all. Yeah, I don't believe so, any of that crap. Why? I don't. So time out. Time out. For happens. anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, a report came out this week that Tristan Casas's pregame routine ruffled feathers in the Red Sox clubhouse last year. His pregame um, pregame routine that he carried throughout the minors consisted of he would always 
um, before the game, go out in the outfield and sunbathe shirtless, which he did in his Red Sox debut too. And then he would go into the clubhouse and he would take a nap on the clubhouse floor. He'd toss a towel over his head and nap on the clubhouse floor. Is this a totally psychopath move to do? Yes, absolutely. It's weird, but it's what he did and it's what worked for him. All right. And so it was routine. So he comes up to the Red Sox, to the big league club last year. And he does it because it's what he always does. No one ever had a problem in the minor leagues. He does that. And then apparently some unnamed veteran Red Sox pitcher had a problem with it. I was like, you can't be doing that in the big leagues and had like a whole stink about it. And apparently other veteran leaders had an issue with the two. And so he's like, all right, fine. Like I'll stop doing it or whatever. And so they had like an emphasis on changing that for him and how he's not going to do that this year. Um, I don't know why anyone cares that much. I think old people care way too much about stuff that no one cares about. And also like if it works for him, it works for him. And it better not because they won't let him do it anymore. It better not affect him. That's all I got to say. Because yeah, so- I don't care what you're doing before the game. You could be doing like crazy like rings of fire and spiritual like summoning of demons or whatever to go out there and perform. Whatever gets you on the field and gets you three for four with a double and a homer and three ribbies, like whatever gets you performing, do it. That's all I care about. So I, I, I have a thought. It. I'm with I'm with Joey. It probably did. It definitely did happen. At least the um, like the comment or whatever. Um, take that back real quick. But I just deny it. Um, it definitely wasn't the specifics of the routine. It definitely was the older people watching this young ass kid come up and just like act like he owns the place and do this whack ass stuff in the middle of everyone. Have you ever like we've all been there where you're like, what the heck is this? I mean, for me, like I play college sports. Like, what is this freshman do? Who does he think he is? It's not the literal laying in center field. It's the like the attitude that surrounds it. Yeah, a good example that know, a lot of people can relate to is like you're you're at a job, you've been there for like years, and some new employee comes in and starts acting like they own the place, and you're like, who are sure. you? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, a, there's a way to go, unspoken system. Yeah, and I, I think it, it got a little misinterpreted, at least from the way I read it, because this is something he did in the minors from 2020. He did it in 2020, 21, and 22. It's clearly just a part of his routine. And I get that when a guy shows up first day in the majors and is doing that, it can definitely come off as pretty arrogant or careless, but it, I, I, it didn't come from any, like, you know, there was no bad intent of it. He didn't yeah, mean, he's not trying showy. to upset people. He's just doing yeah, it. Always like, showy anyway, he knows know his like- personality. Like Costas is a weird guy and that's okay. Cause he's Dude, good he painted at his nails red just for fun. Like, I- <laughs> Hey it's man, quirky people dude. do that and now, all right? Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying that Rich Hill's not doing that. Yeah, fair. Right. Yeah, it, like I, I don't know. It definitely came off a little weird. I don't know if there's a way that that he could have like told people, you know, this is what I do, uh, without coming off as like a, a jerk or anything. But I, you know, you gotta let the kid do it. It's it's weird, but like just let him do it. I also and if I don't it's think a it's problem out again there, this year. Whatever. I don't it's, think it's it out there to <laughs> I don't think it's out there to um to kind of guess that maybe this report was a little overblown too. Um, it's poop. All of it's poop. They make it's money off the media. Of course it's over. They make money off of us talking about it and that's all they want. It's all poop. Yeah, poop they had to release it. Nothing controversial was going on in spring training so they had to release something. It's drama. I'll show you controversial. The team loves each other too much right now. They had to yeah. stir the pot. It's drama. Nothing gets clicks like drama. And 
Screw yeah. that stupid. Whatever, poof. dude. Uh, yeah, back to the questions, though. Good question. Um, next question. Njarvid05 says, does Ryan Fitzgerald make the team by opening day or one of the guys who signed to a minor league contract? So we were talking about this. Um, he's been getting some some play, some showtime. He's friend of the pod. Uh, friend of the pod. He was talking about the pitch clock, which we will talk about. Don't don't worry. Um, he was talking about the pitch clock, and they interviewed him on Nesson, and they were talking about him, and he he'd been playing a decent amount too. Like he was, they're playing him at first base the other day, uh, stretching on his versatility. So, I mean, yeah, I'm biased. I really like Ryan Fitzgerald. He's a great dude. We've interviewed him. Whatever. Um, I would like to think that he makes the major league club at some point. I don't think he makes it out of spring training on the opening day roster, but when injuries happen and guys are kind of up and down and in and out, I think he's one of those guys that it's going to be one of the first call-ups when you need someone to fill a gap because um, he really made a name for himself last year in spring training. And then he had a full season where he did pretty well and showed he can be versatile. He has that. He has almost a veteran mindset as someone who's never been in the bigs, which is interesting and good. Um, if I were Heim Bloom or Alex Cora, I'd want him to be one of the first guys up as a replacement for sure. Yep. And the question was, would him or one of the guys you signed to a minor league deal make the, the team out of spring? I I think I think we will see Fitzy at some point, not out of camp. I I I think a lot of things would have to go his way. But one of the guys that we signed to a minor league deal that I think will make the team out of camp is Jorge Alfaro. Um, yeah, I think the sock. I could see the socks opening with three catchers, uh, to begin the season, especially if all three of them compete in spring training. Like, that's a guy who I think we talked about earlier. Like, we're pretty high on this guy, he's a fun player, got some good pop in the bat, just not stellar defense. I think he definitely has a place on this team. And there's also something in his contract that says if he's not with the team by June, um, he can request release. So I think Alfaro is the most likely minor league deal to make the team out of camp. Um, but I do think we'll see Fitzy at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on, Sean Casey, 15, um, asks, what do you guys think, Ke- uh, how do you guys project Kike's stats? Kike's an interesting question. player to me because he has some pop, but he also doesn't, but also is like contact, but also isn't. It's kind of he like hits- a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, all right, if you look at his baseball savant page, like most years he is a top like top tier in barrel percentage, exit velocity, all that. And yeah. that makes sense because when when I think of Kike, I think of someone who hits the ball really hard. Yeah, he I guess that's like hard. a concrete way to explain what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen him at shortstop too. He looks really good. He's yes. I mean, he made a play in the hole yesterday. He looks so athletic over there. Like, I mean, from a fielding sense, he's one of the best you're going to get. So yeah, the, that's the a biggest lock. like Kike can play like top tier shortstop defense. I don't think that's an issue. The biggest thing is, can he play that for a full season? I don't know. They're probably going to move him in and out of center field to kind of lighten his load. Um, but I'm excited to see what Kike can do defensively. Like you're going to see some plays made at shortstop that shortstops of the past could not really make. Um, but offensively, he had a. Is really that a dig game. on Bogarts? I said shortstops of the past. It could huh. be Marco Scudero for all you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, with the bat, like he had a down year last year. He was banged up. I think, I think Kike is going to do Kike things. He's probably going to hit, you know, like 
250, 260 with with a solid amount of extra base hits. I think that's all you need out of him. Just be league average, if not a little bit above league average, because we know how he performs when the pressure's on. He's one of the best in the game at doing so when the, when it really matters. Um, so yeah, like whether it's at the bottom of the order or lead off again, he just needs to set the pay, set the tone for the team and keep the guys loose in the clubhouse, play good defense. I think the bat is the least of our worries right now. All right. Yep, I agree. Cool. Um, Noah Adams asks, what do you think the Red Sox record will end up as? We will have oh, a whole predictions oh. episode. This is yeah, we'll we'll save it. We'll save exact records for the predictions episode, but I don't even want to comment. I, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, the line on like DraftKings is 77 and a half wins. That is the easiest Ooh. over in my life. Yeah, I would Shouldn't say have so told too. me that because I'm about to drop some money on that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get on flip, bro. I shouldn't. Yeah. I cannot bet on the Red Sox because I'm so bad at betting. If I bet on the Red Sox, they're going to do the opposite of what I bet. So I just I'm not going to touch it. Yeah, I bet the over on Devers RBI last opening day because it was a lock, but then he got hurt. And that yeah, no, I I refuse to ever lock. bet on the Red Sox. Me too. I'll bet if I bet against the Red Sox, the Red Sox win. So I'll I'll sprinkle that in every once in a while. When we really need a win, I'll show up for you. And I'll, Hammer the I'll make under, sure guys. Yeah. Every everyone take the under. Sox love being underdogs. Let me tell you. Yep. Um, who do you guys think will be the starting pitcher on opening day? That's a really good question. That's a great question. I didn't even think of. Ooh. So, did you guys see the report today that Whitlock may not be ready for opening day? Yeah. So, it's not him. I don't think it was going to be him. Also, I'm not concerned about that. They're going to ease him back with the hip. That's yeah. not like a big deal or anything. It's not going to be Bayo because they don't want to put that much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's Sale, it has to be Sale, man. I, I guess. I think it's either Kluber or Sale. I was thinking Kluber. It's Sale if he's healthy. And he's like ready to go. Vote of confidence if you stick like, sale out there. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's let's think. Like the opening series, who are the three guys? It, it's obviously Sale and Kluber in some some form. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you'd have to believe like Sale's starting to throw bullpens again. If he's good to go by opening day, it it should be him. But. As we know, that's not a guarantee. It's a really good question. Uh, my pick is Chris Sale if he's healthy. That's all I can say. That's all I yeah, got. Yeah. If he's not healthy, I have no idea. That's about it. Um, Albert, a.k.a. Sappo, happy birthday. Hey, happy, happy birthday. 41st. Happy 41st, man. Um, cool. Hey, that's Chris Sale's number, 4-1 right there. Uh, next question and last Very question. Cool. Jay Bragg asks, why is Duran hot like that? Um, I'm going to let Jason answer that question. I'm sure he has an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> my bad. My bad. Wow. Uh, Joey talked earlier about how Alex Verdugo kind of took the Andrew Benatendi approach of kind of um, losing some muscle and, and getting more athletic. Yeah, Jaron Duran oh. was like, I'm going to do the opposite of that and get even more jacked. Okay, good. You, he's not he's swinging hot. as hard, yeah. though. No. He got he's really jacked. Durant's what are you not... saying, Garrett? He got jacked. Yeah. He did. Durant's always Durant. been jacked, though. Yeah, but he got even, like, I don't know. He's just, he's huge. Yeah, yeah he is big. huge. Oh, but no, I, that like, doesn't really, shortened... honestly, that doesn't really seem to translate to the big leagues. 
to baseball. I don't look at Pete Alonso. Like he's just a dad, dude. Like he's yeah. just I mean Mike Trout. Yeah, but that's I mean, the thing. Pete Alonso's jacked. He's just thick. In a different way. Like he could he could lift a tree off your car, kind of jacked. I just think like weightlifting and stuff like that with athletes is a really big sign for consistency. It's a really big sign for effort. And for someone like Duran to have put on all that muscle when he's in the position he's in, it's a very good sign for well, reasons outside of just the physical like muscle on your bones. Yeah, I don't argue with well, that. Going to the physical thing, that's why Benny biceps didn't work out. His arms got too big. It it screwed up his swing. I hate when that happens. I don't know. I don't know if yeah, that's I don't, I know, is that man, true? That, that, is that true? Well, yeah. Does it happen? Yep. Yeah, because when when you're when you're when your arms get bigger, yeah, you're less flexible. I get there's that. Less, yeah, there's less flexibility. Like Benny wasn't I mean, able to as many balls. Flexibility. That's what it is. Like the whole Tom Brady flexibility pyrotechnics or whatever it is. That's no, that's fire. <laughs> Pyro- that's pyrotechnics. <laughs> whatever Pilates or whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, uh, pyro- pliability. Pl- pliability. Yeah. <laughs> that word. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. So um, that's all the questions. I have to go. I have to make a meeting for rugby. Um, and I wanted to leave you guys with a comment on um, the, the pitch clock. I know you're probably yeah. going to debate and whatever. Um, get your butt in the box. <laughs> get your butt in the box. I don't care how many times you have to adjust your batting gloves. I don't care how many times your feeling gets hurt or your team gets just. Just make the simple adjustment and get your butt in the box. I don't care who, who it's, we're appealing to these people. We're real baseball fans. Bottom line is get your butt in the box. It ain't that complicated. So it's fair, fair enough. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. I'm sorry yeah. I have to run. It's just been a crazy day. All good. Yeah. All right. All right. So <laughs> let's pitch expand clock. on that. Let, let's yeah. talk about the pitch clock here. I got um, something to say about it too. I tweeted it out yesterday. Yeah, uh, I saw a little bit of that. Um, but, but, like gut reaction. How how do you feel? I mean, I personally, I love it. I am kind of mixed. I love. I definitely am more in favor than not in favor. Um, in as a concept, I love the pitch clock. I don't love the execution of it so far, and I, I'll kind of yeah. expand on that in a little bit. But what what's your gut reaction to it? Yeah, I, I love it. There's definitely some things that need to be ironed out. Um, I think like by the end of April, the pitch clock is not going to be a discussion in baseball anymore. It's just going to be part of the game, yeah. which I'm excited for. And um, like I, I, some people are overblowing it, you know, like for sure, you know, getting all up in arms, but. For my m- favorite thing, my favorite thing is the people on Twitter who are like, Rod Manfred ruining the game again. Baseball will never be the same. Yeah, that's just stupid. Chill. I mean, Manfred does chill. ruin the game, but like um, baseball not never being the same again is completely false because this is bringing baseball back to what it used to be. Like, yeah, when when we were growing up watching the Sox, even 10, 15 years ago, the games were much quicker. Guys worked with pace and, you know, there, there would be guys, you know, there was the occasional guy like Nomar who would adjust his batting gloves and whatever. But like, like baseball has slowed down so much over the past 10 years. The, the, the fans, I think like diehard baseball fans, they've definitely failed to recognize that if they're saying that, that this is ruining the game, because this is just bringing it back to what it used to be. Baseball used to be, 
more fast paced. It yeah. used to have a rhythm to the game, not pitchers stepping off and picking over 20 times in two innings. Yeah. No, I watched um <laughs> I watched a video the other day of it was like how many inside the park home runs can yeah. Jose Altuve score before pay or yeah, Pedro Baez throws a pitch and it was like seven. Yeah, there was a new was video ridiculous. With that today of there was an entire half inning completed yesterday before uh Baez threw a pitch. It is absurd. And that does remind me of like some of those times where like you'll get just like five minutes between pitches because the pitcher like steps off, pick off the first, step off, pick off the second, shake waiting, the signs, mound shake, visit, shake, mound visit, whatever. And it's like, dude, just throw a pitch. You have to throw like hundreds of these in a game. Like this one pitch, just throw it. Just go. Just do it. And on the other side, batters who are like taking, like they're going on a whole like uh, scenic walk around the batter's box. Instead, just get your foot in the box and get ready to hit. Like Garrett said, like it's just there are times where you need time to kind of think about what you're going to do and kind of get in the in the zone. But then there are times where it's like you don't you're not doing anything. You're just wasting time. And you don't need as much time as they take to do those things that I just said. Like, uh, so that's why that's why I believe it's a good thing. Because when you're dragging on these games, when it's like 11 p.m., you're four hours into the game and it's the eighth inning. Like, it's not over yet. It's awful. It's not fun to watch. That's why people have problems with baseball because it takes so long. That's the biggest thing. When anyone, whenever you're talking to anyone about, oh, like, oh, I don't watch baseball. Like, oh, baseball is boring. Their problem is. Yeah, it takes too long. It's too slow. There's not enough action. And this pitch clock is designed to target that directly. It is designed to bring more action, shorten games, speed up the pace. Pace is huge. I don't really care a whole lot if a game takes three and a half hours, if it's fast paced and there's action happening the whole time. Um, But they needed to do something because it it was kind of getting ridiculous. And some of the other things they were trying to do weren't really helping, like the, the limiting mound visits. I don't think that made a whole lot of a difference. This is yeah. going to make a very direct and quick difference. Um, as someone who just played a five-hour, nine-inning game uh, last Friday, um, shout out Elon if you're listening. You're a bunch of clowns. I know some of them are Boston fans. So, anyways, it's not fun. It is just not fun. Like it takes the fun out of baseball when you're just standing there waiting for the next pitch to be thrown. You've already been standing there for two hours, and it's only the fourth inning. It's just not fun. And We'll talk about some of the problems with it, but as a general concept, I really think it is good for the game um, in, a, in a general sense. Yeah, and I've seen all over social media today, it did kind of take uh, the sport world by storm. Uh, with oh, everyone's the, talking about it, yeah. Yeah, especially with the clock off that happened. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, what I've seen so far is people are happy with it. Like people who don't normally care for baseball are saying like, this, yeah. you know, this is great that baseball needed this. And I think this is ultimately going to get more people involved with the game. And for the, for the old heads who say baseball should never have a clock, you know, I don't view it as a clock. It's just, it's just a way it's, this is a way to condition people to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. And you know, I, I, I love it so far and there's definitely some kinks to it, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's good for the game. It's shaving off half an hour of game time and mm-hmm. games are moving with pace. Like I'm watching full spring training games again because I can, 
Last year, there used to be spring training games that would be four and a half hours. And I'm not trying to watch these no-name guys exactly. play for two hours of the game. But now it's moving with pace. It's it's nice. I don't even notice the pitch clock. It's great. Um, I think the biggest thing, though, the biggest issue is like the umpires are really strongly enforcing it in spring training. And I think they're doing that just to really beat it into the players who aren't adjusted to it. Like, you got to follow this or else. But like once it gets to the regular season, we're not going to see games end on pitch clock violations. That's not going to happen. Um, they just they need to get players adjusted to it. I agree. Um, so we did have that incident the other day in the Red Sox Braves game where the bases were loaded. There were two outs. Guy had two strikes on him, and he wasn't in the box. He wasn't or he wasn't alert fast enough. Like you're supposed to be. The batter's supposed to be in the box looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left on the clock. That part's a little weird to me. I don't love that. I know you yeah. tweeted about that too. Um, but whatever. So he wasn't ready, and then the umpire called a strike, and there were two outs, two strikes in the ninth. Game over. Ends in a tie. That's not good. Um, you like you said. I don't know. I, I, I guess I do agree with you that they probably won't do that as much in the regular season, especially in big spots, but it's technically part of the rules to do that. Like, I don't and that's know. That concerns I think me. The rule needs to be adjusted because, like, I don't know. I, I suggested changing the pitch clock to, like, 18 seconds with no runners on and, like, 22 seconds with runners on. Yeah. Um, Just because it is a little rushed. I think it was a bit aggressive to go straight into the 15 20 clocks but you know even without that they, they can keep the clocks the way it is it's fine by me um the biggest thing that i don't like thus far is the batter being alert with eight seconds left this was a part of the rule that was never really talked about when it came out and people just kind of learned on the fly these past couple days um i think that shouldn't be a thing at all because uh in baseball you can be twirling your bat in the batter's box without the pitch clock and a pitcher can just throw the ball yeah. and that's a strike. That's it's on you to be ready. Hard. Yeah. It's on the batter to be ready. I don't think the batter should be punished for it. I, I think, I think the way the alert thing needs to go away and I think it needs to be, you have to have both feet in the batter's box with eight seconds left. The pitcher can throw it at any time. That's Absolutely. I totally agree. The, the the whole alert thing is so subjective. Like yeah. you're looking at the pitcher, that's so subjective. Don't let Angel Hernandez have the power to make that decision. It should yeah. just be you have your feet in the box. Your feet are either over the line or not over the line. Simple as that. I agree. Plus, that's that's so much less subjective and more concrete. Now you're not looking at, oh, has the batter moved his head up a few degrees to look at the pitcher? Are his eyes facing that direction? His head turned that direction? You're looking at, are his feet physically in the rectangle that is outlined in white? Are his feet within that box? That is so much easier to kind of police and, and, and see. So I think that would, I, I totally agree with you. That is the correct way to do it that I think they should do. Yeah. And like if a batter wants to twirl his bat with less than eight seconds left or adjust his helmet, that's on him. That's on him. He's less ready. He's hurting himself. Yeah, that's always been how baseball is. Yeah. One thing I want to say, um, what I kind of came up with, I was talking to a friend of the podcast, our, our, our resident umpire expert, uh, Scott Cruikshank, and what I kind of, or I think he came up with it, where to kind of limit games ending on um, pitch clock violations or whatever or being affected in that way, 
what if you turn it off in the ninth inning or turn it off in the eighth inning um, or stuff like that? Even when, like you can kind of nitpick it in ways like that where you turn it off in the ninth inning when you're um, when it's like a within a three or four run difference, stuff like that. Yeah. I said um, it turns off in two strike counts or three ball counts, but that kind of gets a little iffy. And I don't yeah, because players are going to take advantage of it. It's It's a tough right. way to go about it. I don't think turning it off in the eighth or ninth inning is necessarily the a, a good idea. Like, if you want to get super creative, I think you could pump it up to twenty five seconds when there's a safe situation. That's I like that. That's a true. safe situation in the eighth slash ninth. You pump up the clock to twenty five seconds. I think that that makes a little more sense. Yeah, I don't see the league doing it. I don't even know if I the league needs. I think if this whole alert controversy continues throughout the spring they have to change it well yeah. i think they should in general but i have little faith in the league i think it yeah. should be the the whole alert thing was something we never saw coming and it's easily the biggest problem with the clock yeah it's so much simpler if it's just the player the batter must have two feet in the box honestly I thought that's what it was gonna be like I like you said like none of us really kind of knew about this alert thing and i I hope they do the feet in the batter's box. It just makes so much more sense overall. It's, it's, it's just more better. objective than it is subjective. And then yeah, I think when that happens, that also eliminates the possibility of games ending. Because right. it like because like the way that that Sox game ended was really bad. It's you know, the batter's head was like the catcher wasn't even ready. He wasn't in his crouch. Yeah, and the it was batter's head look. was down and that's strike three. I just I yeah, don't like I don't, that. I don't like that either. Um but I mean, with, with everything that's new, it's going to take time um, to kind of work out the kinks and adjust and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to kind of like put it, wrap it up with a bow, I do think it's good for baseball. You think it's good for baseball. I think the majority of fans agree that it's good for baseball. So I, I like the direction we're headed with it. You can work out some of the small things and, and make alterations to it. But overall, I think it's good. Yep. And pe- for people who don't like it, you're not going to notice it come May. You're not. Exactly. It's it's, it's going to be it's, it's going to be pushed to the back. You're not even going to think about it. It's, it's yeah. baseball is going to be baseball and it's just all going to work out. The game evolves pretty quickly. The players evolve quickly. It'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else uh to say about the pitch clock or the Sox in general as we wrap it up here? Um No, I mean SeatGeek is the best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. Plus, if you're looking to go to a Red Sox game this season, this spring training, SeatGeek has a deal for you. We have a deal for you. $20 off your first purchase by using the promo code DUGOUT. That's D-U-G-O-U-T. If you have two and a half hours of free time, get out to a ball game. There you go. Yeah, I tried to spice it up there and, and mention the Red Sox in like the Addery and it messed me up. I got a little scared there, but we recovered and we got it. So there you go. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Baseball is back. Let's go Sox. Um, and yeah, no, I'll look forward to, to talking with the boys again next time. Um, a little deeper into spring training, a little deeper into everything. It'll be good. Some WBC talk, some spring training right. storylines. Should be a good yeah. time. All right, we will see you then. Thanks for listening.